This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I've always thought seeing the number of dislikes on a video helps us know as viewers if it's a good video or not, if it's a helpful tutorial or not. I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. All right, Madison, I feel like I have to apologize to you for making you cry before like 5 p.m. today. I simply was not in an emotionally stable enough state to watch this video of Adele being surprised with her childhood English teacher. I mean, are any of us emotionally stable? It's getting dark at 4 p.m. now. Absolutely not. Also, like, you already just inherently know that somewhere in my yes. past is an English teacher who I think of as, like, the formative person in my childhood. <laughs> I'm gonna, I just, I Mr. Hook. Thanks. I saw a tweet that was predicated off this video that said, behind every bad bitch with anxiety is a high school English teacher that changed her life. And... <sighs> <laughs> So this video that I sent Madison that made her cry is of Adele at an ITV event. And the crowd, I believe, is entirely celebrities, mostly celebrities. This is important because it's not entirely celebrities. But so Emma Thompson is asking her a question that's like, do you have anyone in your past who's just like an extremely formative character for you? And Adele says, yeah, my... This English teacher I had, she was just super cool. I really loved her. She inspired my love of literature. She's like the reason I'm a writer. Like I'm writing lyrics, I'm not writing books, but I'm, I am writing. And Emma Thompson's like, oh, that's funny because here she is in the crowd. And like Adele hasn't seen her since she was like 12. <laughs> and it's just so sweet. And Adele just starts crying. And you can tell it's this really genuine moment because she's like, my, I need my face touched up. Like, she's, she still calls her Miss, which I think is just so sweet. Don't cry. Thank you. Oh, thank you for remembering me. Thank oh, you. Oh, no, no, you really, you really did change my life. Mom, can you believe it? She's over there. She doesn't want to be filmed. Oh, now I've got to get my old face redone. <laughs> oh, my God, how are you? I haven't I'm seen good. you since I was, like, 12. Do you have kids? What are you doing? Yeah, I've got two kids. You've got I've two got, kids? Um, Sky and Hayden. Hi. It's very sweet. I want to believe that this interaction is genuine and is real. Rachel, would you say you like that video? I I would. I would say I like it. That's the transition, folks, because the time has come <laughs> to talk about likes here on ICYMI. Earlier this month, YouTube announced it would begin hiding all dislike counts on every video on the platform. That's kind of terrorism for me, who depends on seeing those little thumb down reactions on a video to know what exactly is happening in this video. Creators will still have access to dislike data, but for regular YouTube viewers like me and Rachel, it means it's about to be a lot harder to tell if a YouTube video is shit or not before you uh, watch it and watch the ad that probably comes <laughs> along with it. YouTube is not the first platform to change its policy on likes and dislikes. Facebook's algorithm was apparently designed to prioritize those little angry face emojis over reacts. 
uh, there's clearly no downside to that policy. <laughs> we, we simply love misinformation. And uh, Instagram and Facebook also now let you hide your like count on posts. And changes like these are often presented as moves that will make platforms better or friendlier or safer for users. And credit where credit's due, in part, that is true. But <laughs> we're here to remind you that we cannot forget who those changes ultimately always serve. And it's the tech giants themselves which stand to lose money and power if their platforms become such miserable places that the rest of us start leaving for greener pastures. Like... TikTok until, you know, we realized that wasn't so green either. The grass is greener on the other side until you get to the other side. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about what this new change means for YouTube and with some cautious optimism, get into how this might just help curb harassment. Or, you know, just make YouTube even worse. Right. Like I said, cautious. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Rachel, it's time for a history lesson. Oh, my favorite subject. Is it really your favorite subject? You've heard me talk about the boat like Anne Boleyn so often. You should know this by now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, I will I will be getting your, your childhood history teacher on the show at some point. <laughs> what history are you teaching me? Do you know what the most disliked video in YouTube history is? Oh, that's a tough one. I feel like PewDiePie is probably somewhere in there. And then something that's just, like, harassment-based dislike. Like, someone making a completely innocuous video and everyone decided to hate it for no reason. So the most disliked video in YouTube history was actually a video made by YouTube itself. Back in 20... Yeah. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) So do you know how they used to come out with those rewind videos? Sort of YouTube's, like, year in review... You don't even have to ask. Of course I remember. They get all those fucking biggest YouTubers on the platform. I feel like the last one I watched had Tyler Oakley in it, which I think reveals my age. Um, But yeah. (laughs) The one from 2018 was a year in review starring all the year's biggest creators. And I rewatched it today thinking it couldn't have been that bad, right? It got really panned for being extremely corporate and like generally very cringy. Oh, it's, it's worse than I remember it. Ooh, like worse than what way? There was clearly so much money and time and energy that went into making this video that it is embarrassing how lame it is. Oh, so like, would you say lamer than the Invisible Children rap video? Honestly, on the same level. Oh my God, but like 10 years later, that's even more embarrassing. (laughs) And frankly, a little insulting given that this is a cast full of YouTube's best and brightest stars. These are people who know how to be compelling on YouTube, who are reading these really 
canned, embarrassing lines. So guys, apparently we control Rewind this year. Y'all, we can do whatever we want. What do we do? There's one thing this video needs. K-pop! <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> Neither did uh, anyone who watched it in the year 2018. The dislikes were uh, plentiful. About 10 million in the first week, currently oh sitting at 19 million. God. <laughs> Which is as good a way as any to say that the dislike is the most effective way as a YouTube watcher to say, hey, this sucks ass. What, how did YouTube respond to this? To this mass pouring out of people saying, hey, this sucks ass. It was so bad that the next year YouTube actually apologized. Spoiler alert, YouTube no longer makes these videos at all. We love democracy. The power of the people. And that's what the dislike button is, right? Even more than leaving a comment, because not everyone's going to read the comments. But it's very easy to scan that like-dislike ratio count and see what's what. And, you know, this power of the people in some ways, like in YouTube Rewind, it, it makes sense. But in other ways, it, it seems like the worst, like the id of the internet. The id we all saw coming, right? This change isn't a huge surprise. YouTube has been testing this change for some time. And creators actually already have had the option to hide dislike like data at their discretion. So this is just universalizing this feature that some of the creators had access to. Exactly. And it's slowly rolling out for everybody. So if you're listening to this and you go to YouTube and you can still see dislikes, please don't DM us like, <laughs> you were wrong. It, it, it's coming for you. Be patient. One of YouTube's co-founders has some thoughts on this change. Which co-founder? Javed Kareem. And uh, what exactly did he have to say? He says, why would YouTube make this universally disliked change? There's a reason, but not a good one, and not one that will be publicly disclosed. The ability to easily and quickly identify bad content is an essential feature of a user-generated content platform. Why? Because not all user-generated content is good. A groundbreaking insight. Somebody had to say it. So w did he say this in response to the 2021 change? He did, and this part's actually a little weird. I feel obligated to tell you that he did not say this in like a press release or on a podcast or on a news hit. He went a little more strange, a little more strange. The very first video ever uploaded to YouTube back in April 2005 is a video called Me at the Zoo, and it's of Javed. He updated the description of this video with his feelings about the dislikes change. What are his feelings? <laughs> I mean, I feel like he'd want me to note that that particular video has 10 million likes and only a quarter million dislikes for whatever that's worth. Nice ratio you got there. It is a good ratio. Um, here's where things actually get a little bit hairy. He says, watching Matt Koval's announcement about the removal of dislikes, I thought something was off. The spoken words did not match the eyes. The video reminded me of an interview Admiral Jeremiah Denton gave in 1966. I have never seen a less enthusiastic, more reluctant announcement of something that is supposed to be great. Who, who is Jeremiah? Why are we talking about 1966? These are great questions. So I had to Google who this guy was also, but TLDR, Tilder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Kareem is comparing this YouTube rep announcing the changes in dislikes to an American prisoner of war in Vietnam who got famous in the 60s for blinking out the word torture in Morse code while reading some bullshit lines about how well he was being treated as a prisoner of war. Um, 
What? What indeed? <laughs> like, so he just, I just, I just feel like I need to, I just want to make sure I'm getting this straight because it's not, uh, he is comparing an exec of one of the most powerful companies in the world, aka one of the most powerful men in the world, to a prisoner of war who is being tortured? That is correct. He's basically uh, trying to, you know, free Britney, the YouTube creator liaison who stars in this video. That's the energy I'm getting. Um, okay. Well, you know. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't totally disagree with, I mean, I, I disagree with the person. I disagree with the prisoner of war shit, obviously. Okay, okay. But just, I feel like we have to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> On the record, I am not likening an American POW <laughs> to the YouTube creator liaison. No. But as somebody who, for example, watches a lot of DIY content, dislikes are actually a really good honest metric for whether or not a video about, let's say, how to change your ceiling fixtures is actually good and helpful or not just going to end with you electrocuting yourself, hypothetically. You really are the himbo we want to see in the world. (laughs) Lesbian himbos, we exist. (laughs) We should probably hear from Matt Koval, who is the the guy in YouTube's announcement video. His official title is he's the YouTube creator liaison. Unfortunately, research teams at YouTube have found there's this whole other use for disliking a video that I had never experienced as a creator and you may not have either. Apparently groups of viewers are targeting a video's dislike button to drive up the count, turning it into something like a, a, a game with a visible scoreboard. And it's usually just because they don't like the creator or what they stand for. That's a big problem when half of YouTube's mission is to give everyone a voice. I'm sorry, it's just really funny to me that creator liaison at YouTube has apparently just discovered brigading. Like, sir. What year is it? So the argument YouTube is making here is that the platform getting rid of dislikes will stop people from what Rachel just called brigading videos, which is a targeted type of harassment on YouTube, which I apologize if you've spent any time on any internet platform because you absolutely already know what this word means. But that's a targeted type of harassment on YouTube where let's say, a rival fandom of a streamer could dislike bomb a video into algorithmic submission for just no reason at all. It's a way for groups on the internet to exercise power that tech platforms apparently didn't realize they had handed to those groups in the first place. It also tends to happen to more marginalized creators and people will brigade their videos just because they're visibly trans or black and saying things like trans women are women or black people deserve rights. You know, controversial shit. Wild stuff. Wild. A note, YouTube has said dislikes will still impact the algorithm. So people can still dislike a video. The dislike count just won't be public anymore. And the... The idea behind the change for YouTube is that if that gamification is removed, that visible score count that goes up and up and up, the more people dislike a video, people might actually stop doing that because it's less satisfying to not see those numbers rise. This kind of makes sense to me. Like, it it sounds on paper like it just might work, which makes me think that it won't. To me, it does sound incredibly juvenile, but the thing about platforms like YouTube or Instagram that I try to remind myself of is these metric systems are really juvenile. They're very, very basic, and our dumb, silly little brains (laughs) 
we're hardwired to crave this kind of feedback on like a very basic level. I mean, we're just those little mice pressing the buttons for treats, you know? That's what the little like buttons give us. <laughs> I think a lot about an interview Sean Parker did one time. Sean Parker is one of Facebook's co-founders. He's a if you watch The Social Network, he's Justin Timberlake, the Napster guy. He's also Drop the The, it's Cleaner guy. But Sean Parker said in an interview a couple years ago that haunts my dreams, that they fully knew that they were exploiting human psychology when they built Facebook. Maybe they didn't know the scale to which Facebook would grow, but they knew what they were doing. They were building this platform that would make you want more and more little dopamine hits every time your dumb brain got a like from somebody on the platform. If only... If only they thought about how bad that could possibly get as they were wiring our little brains to like those little <laughs> little blue thumbs up emojis. He called it a, quote, social validation feedback loop and said it's exactly the kind of thing a hacker like myself would come up with. They hacked our brains, y'all. I'm kind of shocked that a co-founder would be speaking kind of like so honestly about what exactly well... they've done. I mean, interesting that the co-founders we've heard from today are uh, ones that are no longer with the companies they co-founded. Yeah, they're like that that guy who created the atom bomb and was just like, I am become death. He's they've they realize what they've done. You really went there. <laughs> I mean, are we not facing down a democracy crisis because of a fucking rating platform for hot women? A dumb sentence that makes sense in this stupid timeline. <laughs> yeah, it is alarming to me that all of those words meant things to me. We're going to take a break from this particular feedback validation loop. But when we come back, we will say more sentences with lots of words that shouldn't make sense, but do. More of those after the break. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. and We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. All right, we're back. Rachel, how do you feel about likes? I mean, the hamster part of my brain loves them. I crave them. I want all of them. I'm not going to say you're mixing your lab creatures, but are you a mouse or a hamster? I really need you to decide. They're both rodents, and that's all that matters here. You know, like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I do care about how many people are liking my Instagram photo. I make sure that everything is undercase because undercase does better. And, you know, we got to make sure the aesthetic matches. I recently cleaned out my entire Instagram feed because I was like, you know what? These pictures didn't do well enough for my future as a social media content creator. I recently decided that I was going to go likes free on Instagram. Oh, I didn't realize this was a setting you set up for yourself. I thought Instagram just did this for you. No. So now anytime you post a photo, you can select to not show the likes count on that oh. particular photo. So I decided I've had enough. I don't like how bad it makes me feel when people do not like my photos. That sounds pathetic when I say it out loud. But once again, this is not my fault. My brain is wired like this. And guess what? So is yours. 
It's not pathetic. I literally just talked about how I do everything in undercase because I think it performs better. <laughs> Based on absolutely no data. Literally no data except for the little, again, the hamster rat mouse in my head <laughs> running on a fucking wheel thinking undercase, undercase, undercase. But anyway, do you feel better using Instagram now? Like, has it worked? I do feel less pressure and that I have enjoyed. But I will say the process of making this switch is a pain. So you can only do it on a post-by-post basis. So there's no setting in Instagram. Right. So I went to settings and was like, oh, there's got to be something I can toggle that will hide likes on everything I've posted since whenever I got Instagram, sophomore year of college or whatever. That toggle doesn't exist. Of course it doesn't. That would be too easy. So can you go back and change that toggle on old photos or is it only stuff you're uploading now? You can retroactively change it, but you have to do it one at a time, tap by tap. So I've done the last two, maybe three years of my life. Madison, you, I love your Instagram feed because the aesthetic is very consistent, but like you post a lot. That's a <laughs> lot of content. No offense. I, again, your Instagram aesthetic is admirable. Follow her on Instagram. But how long did that take you? I did it while like rewatching a television show. Which one? Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I knew you were trying to get out of saying what show it was. <laughs> Damn it. So that was good, but I, you know, I could only go so far down the embarrassing memory lane mm-hmm. that is my Instagram feed uh, from the last eight years before I had to take a break. So I will return to that at some point. Or perhaps Instagram will build this future for me. Are you listening? <laughs> If you're listening, please do, but you probably won't. I will say that I think I've done something similar in that I recently archived every single post on my feed, except like my feed starts in March 2021 now. And I I think that gets at the embarrassing level of it where I'm like, I don't need anyone to be able to see this shit, but I still want to see it. What I'm getting from this is you only mark time from the month and year when we met. And that makes sense to me. Literally the first post on my feed is an announcement of our podcast. I I said this before, but I do find myself telling myself, you're not dumb for feeling better by hiding your likes on Instagram. It's the same sort of energy I think I bring to like, you know, the the narrative of like mm, dumb teenage girls on Instagram who let it let an app make themselves feel badly about themselves. No, this app makes all of us feel badly about ourselves in some way or another, or is designed to, and you really have to try to get outside of your brain to say no. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why social engineering your own feed is one of the most important things you can do, because the idea of just logging off in 2021 is just not a solution that works. It's untenable for a lot of people because these are the apps that connect us now. So you really have to try really hard to make your feed a place that does not actively make you feel bad. And that's all by design. You know who actually has made some good points about this? I don't know why my first guess is Chrissy Teigen. I'm honest, I'm really glad that it wasn't Chrissy Teigen. It was Kanye West. Mother, that's not any better. A broken clock is right twice a day or something. Something like that. Kanye West tweeted, We should be able to participate in social media without having to show how many followers or likes we have. Just like how we can turn off the comments, we should be able to turn off the display of followers. This has an intense negative impact on our self-worth. You know what platform did this? Which one? Tumblr. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, walked, you could, I walked right into that. You just did. You did. But you could trap. turn off your follower count being visible. I know you guys listening to this can't see what's happening, but I need you to know that Rachel is currently blinking the word Tumblr in Morse code to me with her eyes. Madison, I've been doing this for months. You, you're just now <laughs> catching on. No. <laughs> Was he wrong, though? Unfortunately, Mr. West made some points. I mean, Mr. West has made multiple points in his life that are true, but unfortunately, they are outweighed by the bad ones. But no, he's correct. I do think that there should be a way to hide. I, I think a lot of platforms are experimenting with this now, or at least experimenting with being able to curate the level of reaction. I'm thinking about Twitter has the function where you can turn off replies. Kanye went on to say that displaying your likes for the world is akin to uh, writing the size of your dick on your t-shirt. He did censor the word dick on Twitter, so. He then proposed uh, that there should be a live-streamed meeting between Jack Dorsey, Kevin Systrom, Mike Krieger, Mark Zuckerberg, and Evan Spiegel, who are all heads of major tech corporations, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. What does he think is going to happen? Those people have been questioned by journalists for years now, and they have chosen to continue to destroy democracy and self-esteem the world over. That tweet was from 2018, a few years ago. So Kevin Systrom, who is no longer Instagram CEO, can probably skip this meeting. And also Instagram did, in fact, roll out some of the changes Kanye was asking for. So thank you, Kanye West. I refuse to thank that man for anything. I want the old Kanye back. Okay, this is not the old, old Kanye, but slightly older Kanye. (laughs) These were some good tweets from him. Broken clock, twice a day. I will continue to dislike him. Angry face emoji, angry face emoji, angry face emoji. All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. It's free and the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, Rachel and I will have absolutely mastered Morse code by then, so come back. Also consider leaving us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Follow us on Twitter. We're at ICYMI underscore pod. We often tweet lots of great TikToks and videos we talk about on the show, so it's a good way to keep up. Also, we like to think we're funny. Or you can always send us an email. We're ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We're edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcast. And a special shout out to Amber Smith. See you online. Or on. I'm blinking in Morse code. You just can't see it. Um, I can, I can. <laughs> no, I was just like, if Daniel's saying, um, then I really feel like we got to Man, take it I really out. would make this joke in a bar. Um, I have a different version of it I can make that still has a callback. Okay. <laughs>